Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. All right. Welcome to the 12th Step Podcast. This is Daniel. And this is Mike. And this is Gary. So... I wanted to bring this topic up. I, you know, it's brought up in our, our Sage program we've attended uh, quite often of limiting beliefs. Um, and I was recently listening to Matthew McConaughey's uh, book, or, uh, the audio version of it, which is him pretty much reading his book that he wrote. It's called Green Lights. And there was a quote in there that stood out to me really well. And I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of a recovery thing. So I'm going to read this and then we can talk about it. Um, so it says, when we mentally give a person, place, or point in time more credit than ourselves, we create a fictitious ceiling, a restriction over the expectations that we have over our own performance in that moment. Um, we get tense, we focus on the outcome instead of the activity, and we miss the doing of the deed. Either we think that the world depends on the result, or it's too good to be true, but it doesn't and it isn't, and it's not our right to believe it does or is. So don't create an imaginary constraint, like a leading role, a blue ribbon, a winning score, a great idea, the love of our life, euphoric bliss. Who are we to think that we don't deserve these fortunes when they're in our grasp? Who are we to think that we haven't earned them? If we stay and process within ourselves in the joy of the doing, we will never choke at the finish line. What a fantastic thought. Hmm. I had a I had an immediate thought that came to mind as soon as you were sharing that, and it sounds like we're probably on a similar path. Yeah. I've been listening to a a life coach. I'll uh, I'll share her name here shortly as we kind of talk through this. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's one my wife sort of stumbled on and just has fallen in love with. But uh, what has impressed me about that comment and about so many other comments that these people are sharing is is that uh, I'm amazed at the number of loops that our mind makes. Mm-hmm. That becomes a that becomes a pattern, becomes a habit, becomes whatever. Um, and it was it, it hit me again this morning as I was driving to work. I know that I knew that I needed to stop by the laundromat and pick up my laundry. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that for the last couple of days, but because I didn't, but but somehow some way I got caught up in what was happening and drove right past the laundromat because my mind was blocked it was sort of on this loop of hey i'm just gonna i'm just gonna systematically take mike to work because this is how we do it and i really believe that we actually have more loops in our life than we than we know for certain and the reason i bring that up is is because this life coach that i'm referring to talks about telling our stories tearing sharing our own stories and sometimes we cast ourselves in our own stories as being the victim Mm -hmm. and that what happens then is is that every time we start telling anything about addiction or recovery, our mind goes to this loop. Yeah. And this is what happened to me, and it was tragic, and it was all these different things, which limits. Yeah. As, as Matthew McConaughey talks about, it puts an artificial ceiling on us simply because we're caught in this loop. Well, yeah. I mean, how m- I, I know myself, but I don't know about you guys, but uh, there was definitely tons of times before you know I got into this recovery program where it's like, oh, I just... I can't get I can't get out of this. I can't get clean. I can't get sober. Or you know, there's no way out of uh, away from this problem. You know, we I created the ceiling of the you know. There's no way out of it. I'll never get out. I'll never get out of it. I'm you know I'm I'm the scum of the universe. I might as well just kind of get through life as best I can. 
Um, you know, and, and there's times I catch myself even now in smaller things um, where I kind of create uh, this thing where, you know, I, I've realized over the last couple of years I'd love to write, but I haven't really been able to get back in there. And I always blamed it on, well, you know, it's the environment I'm in. I don't have a place to write or, you know, and then I moved from that place. And then it's like, ah, oh, there's just so much stress, you know, and I kept really, you know, after doing this, I realized, wow, I kept putting a ceiling so I couldn't do something I loved right. and something that I enjoyed. Um, you know, and, th- and there's so many other things, you know, this can relate to, you know, um, another ceiling was my abuser. I, I put that ceiling up, you know, the mm-hmm. last episode we talked about my crutch. That was another ceiling that I, I placed in there where I couldn't, I couldn't overcome that because I relied on that so much and blamed that for the way my life was. Um, and, and, you know, so I, I wanted to bring that up, you know, so that other addicts out there can really, you know, take a look at this and how many other ceilings have you placed sure. in your life? You know, whether they're a small one or a big one. Read, read the part about the, I want to hear the part about the doing again. Sure. The, the process piece of it. We get tense. We focus on the outcome instead of the activity and miss the doing of the deed. You know, I missed the doing of the deed. Yeah. So, you know, like, so at recovery, you know, we're, we're so worried about how do we get there? You know, like as Shane jokes, everyone wants the, the, the secret recipe instead of going through the steps, you know, going through each of the 12 steps to get to the end. And you're always counseled to trust, trust the process, trust the process, surrender to the, you know, I like that that's the piece I think that that struck me first mm-hmm. was was the doing piece of it and and you know I, I I think so often in fact I think a lot of what actually got me into my addiction was I got to think of how to say this um I think I made a mistake oh, I got to th- okay. I'm going to muddle through this, but everybody understand sure. that this is this is a thought on the fly. Thought, it's a on, thought the fly. on the fly. I've okay. kind of thrown we're, it. We're, mu- we're yeah. muddling. I'm muddling through this, and I'm okay. So the thought that I'm having is, and these are not the right words, but too often we pursue the uh, the result, right? Mm-hmm. And. And neglect that that the result that we want is actually is actually the natural consequence of what we're doing. So yeah. so instead of pursuing, I'm going to use the word like pleasure or joy. Yeah. A lot of people might say happiness, but I think a lot of what at least addicts they think, oh, I'm pursuing happiness. No, you're you're pursuing pleasure, joy, you know, yeah. excitement, diversion, distraction, right. Right. you know, and and thinking that these things are going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the, what's come to, to my mind listening to this is, no, I need to pursue meaning. I have to find meaning in the things that I'm doing. And then happiness is a, byproduct. a natural byproduct yeah. of that. So so the it's it's in the doing that you find what you're looking for. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's, and there's, there's so many ways that this is expressed. It, it's, you know, it's the journey, not the destination. You know, the, yeah. the destination will come. And quite honestly, you meet the destination along the road, right, right. you know, as you're going. I, I like the idea that you pursue meaning and then 
the the ninth the ninth step promise, you know, you start meeting these things along the way before you're halfway done. Right. You start you start getting the blessings or benefits or however you might want to describe it of recovery along the way. Almost as mm-hmm. soon as you're ready to receive it, it's there. Right. And the other thing I like that he says here towards the end is, is if we stay in process within ourselves in the joy of the doing, we will never choke at the finish line. Yeah. 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 It's a great comment. Yeah, because we're constantly in that doing. Um, that allows us to continue to you know, kind of take a look at ourselves and say, okay, I- I'm getting off course. You know, the warning track we've mentioned many right. times, right. you know, we're in that middle circle living. We can kind of, we can pivot and then get back to outer circle and then we can be enjoying. But as long as we, you know, we're enjoying the doing instead of dreading it, yeah. I-, I think we, we avoid that inner circle. Kind of gets to that flow state, right? you yeah. know, it's another, another way another that it word. was articulated. I'm gonna I'm gonna interject here for just a second as well. Sure. I, I um, I've been talking again about this uh, this book. I'm knee deep in uh, the, the body keeps the score, and I'm to the recovery part of that book. And uh, one of the things I think that both of you are hitting on is is that because as addicts, one of the things we don't want to do is revisit the the trauma that caused us the pain in the yeah. in, in the in the beginning. I think you're experiencing to some extent with that, with your EMDR and oh, yeah. some of those visits, uh, you know, going back to those difficult times. Um, as I've been reading this book, I've been a little frustrated at the fact that I can't find the, the major trauma in my life. And I, I've appreciated our common counselor, the comments that he's made of, you know, that there are a, a series of small T's mm-hmm. equal a, you know, a big T. A yeah. big T. And of course, this book focuses on, you know, war veterans and PTSD yeah. and some serious stuff. But one of the things that, uh, uh, one, very similar to myself, I, I, I can't really remember my childhood. There's so many facets to it that I can't really remember. And one of the things that he brings out in this book is, is it's great to focus on objects, just mm-hmm. common objects. And what will happen then is, is you'll have this flood of memories. And yeah. I remember a day here this last week, uh, as I was reading through that, and I started looking around the room. And, and sure enough, as I started to see things, uh, I would have this memory that would come back. And oftentimes, uh, there were some ugly memories. And what I came to the conclusion of is, is that I didn't have this, even though I grew up in a great household, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I, you know, uh, I, I didn't have this, this sort of sense of, wow, I'd give anything to go back. I just so want to mm-hmm. live again at home. Or I, I had those, oh, that was such a fun thing. Kind of a, I just didn't have those experiences growing up. And it was painful. It was a painful, painful memory. But what that's done for me coming to that realization that, okay, uh, so that's not the life I had. I don't look fondly on my growing up years mm-hmm. where so many people do. And as a result of that, by willing, by willingly going back and doing the work in an area that we don't really necessarily want to go, that, that we're able to kind of get past some of the stuff that's holding us up. Yeah. And I think that's literally what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, it is. You know, and the nice thing about the EMDR work is, you got you get to put one foot in that past while staying in right. the present, so yeah. you can still be the adult you. While you know, in my instance, being you know also being that child, right. and kind of being present in both worlds. And a lot of times when I did that processing, it would start with you know some mental imagery. Yes. I mean, I remember one time uh, working with Shane. You know, I, I was hitting a wall really, uh-huh. and you know, it finally I, I was in this dark room and all i could see was shelves and a picture on it i really couldn't see what was on the picture but it you know it was under red light and you know i described that and he's like well what's on the picture i'm like i can't see it's really foggy and vague he's like all right let's focus on that 
And then as I focus on that, it's like the light went, changed color. The room started illuminating, you know, and then I could see a closet with the door, yeah. you know, open, but I, and I could see someone kind of like shuffling out and peeking his head out and back. And then, you know, and then we focused on that and then I realized it was the, uh, like, um, I could see a, a younger version of me in that closet kind of, is it safe to look out? And, right. You know, that just kind of kept developing and, you know, and then as I kept going further, more things came to light and I could remember more things and I brought those things up. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing how our brain says, nope, we're not paying attention exactly. to this anymore. Yeah, it's, we're, it's gone. Yeah. We're just going to move forward. It's painful. Anytime it comes up, we're going to use something to soothe <laughs> that and just ignore right. it. Right. And we've created some hor- some, some, some pattern of how we, how we yeah. deal with that. Yeah. And so going back and dealing with that, I, 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 I reflected on my own growing up years. My dad taught a, taught a gospel of, uh, of fear mm-hmm. and uh, and enforced it with a heavy hand and that was a, that was how I lived that's yeah. just how it was and so I uh, um, it, it's not a whole lot of warm and fuzzy it really it really wasn't but now I can deal with that with a with a a, mm-hmm. a fifty seven year old brain a developed brain saying you know what it's okay I'm I that's what Mike was a survivor is what he was yeah. he survived that period of time those difficult years and uh, instead of being a, instead of being a victim or instead of being you know, acted upon instead of and having, you know, having an ability to make decisions on my own. And now I can deal with those things and say, okay, maybe mom and dad didn't fit the bill for me the way I needed it to be fit, but they, I'm sure they did their very best. Yeah. I'm sure they did their very best. And that's been helpful for me. So get out of some of those predefined ways and, and it's been great. It's been great. So I, I love his, I love his comment. Yeah. That, that reminds me of another quote he made. So uh, the quote is persist, pivot or concede it's up to us our cho- we have it's our choice every time so anytime there's something that comes up we have the choice to either persist through it to pivot away from it or concede and just let it be <coughs> excuse so, me so wow. um those are really valuable things in in recovery so it's interesting he uh um, he's had a tough life yeah, he had, he's had a very interesting life. He really I, I, has. I listened to it. Uh, I mean, some of the stuff that you know he talks about, I'm like, yeah, you, you, no, no, no one can, can just go right. jump on a Ducati and go, you know, <laughs> riding through Europe or go, you know, have some crazy dream and then take off <coughs> down to the Amazon and float down the river. But, um, but it's still it wasn't an easy life. Um, but. He has some really good insights, and he definitely relied on a higher power. And he does a lot of, int- you know, he talks about how he does a lot of introspective introspection throughout his his life. Um, you know, he wrote down on a napkin like two days after he f- filmed his first role, um, and you know, it was like nine items. And then when he finished his book, he's like, "I found the napkin." And I've done all nine of those things wow, over the course of my life, not realizing that because he's never he he hadn't seen it since the day he wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But he's he's lived by this interesting code, where you know persist, pivot, uh, persist, pivot, or concede. Um, he's always tried to be in the doing, um, even if he's made mistakes. He, he's like, I've I've made mistakes, I've screwed up, but I've learned from those. Yeah. I've taken my my lumps and my bruises, and I've learned and moved forward. So. It was really great to, to hear those things and realize that, you know, here's a guy that's got more money than I will probably ever see in a, in a lifetime, but he still made mistakes and he's still, mm-hmm. you know, 
And one of the, the the most amazing things is is for quite a while he just lived in a you know a, a trailer, right. just drove around and hung out of the uh, in, in trailer parks and that, just so he can stay in touch with himself and not hmm. get caught up in the you know the Hollywood yeah. hoobla. Interesting. That is interesting. He's an interesting man. Yeah, I've appreciated uh, also uh, with that you know with all that's transpired in Texas uh, at, at a school that apparently he attended. Mm-hmm. He's had a lot to say about that, and uh, just uh, uh, just to be there to feel the pain mm-hmm. of those parents and to be a part of all that. Yeah, I thought that was a that's yeah. very much a and, human being. Kind and that's of thing. another thing that he talks about is you know when there are people in pain and stuff like that. Even with his wife, he takes the time to stay there yeah. to be with her, not try to fix it, just be, mm. which is really inspirational and a lot of what we're taught. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially when we're working with our betrayed spouses, you know, they've got anger, they've got pain. We just got to be there yeah. uh, with them and not try to fix it. Right. You know, it's it's kind of interesting. You know, I'm thinking life really is for everybody. It is. You know, it's for everybody, and it doesn't matter what hand of cards you've been dealt, whether whether you have resources or not, whether you have whatever your challenge might be, mm-hmm. whatever you know. Right. Life is for everybody, and and part of recovery, part of living well, is finding the meaning in that mm-hmm. as you go through it. Yeah, and then enjoying the enjoying the doing, enjoying the doing, yeah, enjoying the doing. Yeah, interesting, interesting, good stuff, good topic. Yeah, very good. Well. Um, yeah, that went that went fast. They always do. I know. Sometimes they always do. So, sometimes they always do. Sometimes, sometimes they sometimes do. Sometimes they always do. <laughs> sometimes they do. I'm not gonna say always. <laughs> that sounds kind of weird, but um, yeah. So uh, again, let us know your thoughts uh, on this topic. Uh, and not only that, remember that we're on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. Uh, so hopefully you found us that way. If not, uh, that's okay. It's it, we're, We love having you the way you found us, but uh, that way you can share uh, these episodes out to friends and family um, that, may, that may be struggling with this disease, this illness. And uh, we, we'd love to hear your comments of future show topics and ideas. We've definitely done that in the past with other listeners reaching out to us. Uh, so let us know what you want to hear and what you want to mm-hmm get some information or advice about uh it's it's a brand new day for us it yeah. is on facebook that's exciting so yeah like us on facebook so, uh, share with a uh, share uh, our story on uh, youtube yeah um, find us on youtube and share that uh yeah it's just a it's exciting time so a great opportunity to reach more uh more addicts uh, around the world very exciting time yeah so with that uh this is daniel saying find the humility in your recovery And this is Mike saying, do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. And this is Gary saying, do the next right thing. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12thsteppodcast at gmail.com. That is 1-2-T-H-STEPPODCAST at gmail.com. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. 
check out saa-recovery.org.